0: The sportscaster and her son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sclar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sclar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster from NBC Chicago, and I am the baby boomer and the
1: mom. And I'm Jason Kanander, Generation Z. I'm a writer for Southside Sox, headed back to school at the end of this week, amazingly. So y'all will see all of my content with student television and anything else cool that I'm working on um, this upcoming semester at UT. And I am, yeah, Generation Z and I'm the son. We always
0: say that we don't always get along, but through our mutual love for sports, it does bridge the gap between us. And it does bridge the gap between the generations. And actually, it was pretty funny. One of our last shows uh, where we were talking about the NBA, if there was ever an example of a generation gap, it was that show. My NBA versus your NBA are two completely different games, but... We agree on something. Yes, we do. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode, the making of Justin Fields, and that we both think Justin Fields is going to be a star. Absolutely. We went to training camp.
1: Saturday, yes, we did.
0: So I haven't been to Bears training camp since I covered the team. I went consecutively. I think we figured out it was 22 years. I think it was 22 years that I I covered the team. I was at Platteville for two years, I think it was, before they moved to uh, Olivet Nazarene in Bourbonnais. And now they are back home with a training camp in Lake Forest. What was your impression? Because that was your first time going to training camp. Uh, what was your, your, well, not your first time going, right? First time now. At
1: Hellas Hall. At Hellas
0: Hall. And yeah. as a broadcasting student and someone mm-hmm. who is in the, the field now. What oh. was your impression?
1: Um, well, first of all, from a fan standpoint, the whole fan experience um seemed to be pretty well put together. Um there seemed to be a lot of excitement at Bears Camp among the among the fans and in the in the seats, and everyone just seemed like really happy to be around football again for the first time. In a couple of years there's a lot of optimism around the team. That's obviously a product of drafting Justin Fields, but um that really stood out to me. From a broadcasting standpoint, I think that the setup was really cool. I think you can kind of tell that the direction that the NFL is moving in is sort of less tailored to accommodate the writers and the cameramen and anybody that's there looking for any content, um, which sucks but is also understandable, um, especially coming off of the pandemic. You knew a lot of those things would change for good, out of convenience for the NFL teams, and seems like they have. Like, took us a little while to find out where the media was. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the whole lack of videos, like there are signs at camp that make it very clear that you are not allowed to take videos of what's happening. And yet everybody um, does. Yeah, everyone does. On yeah. their cell phones. Yep. And uh, so I, I was impressed generally. Um, Again, I don't really have much of a preconceived notion of what a training camp is supposed to look like, Um, given that the only other time I went was in Bourbon want to say eighth grade maybe. So it's been a while, but generally we came away impressed. And Hallis Hall looks incredibly nice. The facility looks amazing. Um, the area is cool. You could tell, like it's it's a good place to have a training camp. Well, because it's 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 away from Chicago. It's away from distractions. It seems like a nice like campground almost. No pun intended. Um, and yeah, that's really those are really my only takeaways.
0: What what kind of blows my mind a bit is that the media is left um, kind of in a pen, uh, which we always were. There was always just one part of the sideline that we could be on, um, but that uh, the access is still so limited when yet you can still have 500 people, you know, watching camp and walking in and out and standing along the sides of practices, you know. So there's... I think it's to the NFL's advantage there and they're taking every inch of advantage they can with the the pandemic in that way. Uh, I think what you're going to see is the lack of one-on-one stories uh, you can't, you don't get that access anymore. You, you, to go through the team and to try to set up an interview with a player. We used to be able to grab guys when they were walking from, you know, after practice, they'd be in their golf carts and they'd be heading back to the lunchroom or they'd be heading out of the lunchroom and going back to their dorm for a rest. Now there's none of that. And that really started back when John Fox was covering the team or coaching the team, I should say. And they really restricted our, the reporters access. And it became, who does everybody want? And then it was what we called gang bangs. And then it was just. Put the guy at the podium. So you can't get those individual stories. You can't get those individual tidbits. And I think that that's where the fans are missing out for sure. The teams are so much more in control now of what information gets out. And uh, that's not always a great thing. Uh, It doesn't give you a full, real focus on what might be going on with the team. So, for instance, everyone's panicking over. All you could see are all the offensive linemen not practicing, all of them. They're they're all on the bikes. They're on the exercise yeah, bikes. I saw that on Twitter.
1: You know, when your top, they're all banged up.
0: Your top offensive lineman draft pick is uh, on the bike, injured already. Already, I mean, there's there's a little bit of panic going oh. on. You know, you need a left tackle that's going to protect what is going to be your franchise, franchise quarterback, quarterback. Yeah. right? So I, that you don't get a lot of information on. Although I will say Matt Nagy does seem to be forthright as much as he can. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's he's playing games with the media. Um, but I, my other impression, let's flip it from not a media perspective. But I have never seen so many defensive takeaway drills in camp. Now, Lovey Smith had a lot. Oh. Because that was huge with Lovey Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh but I have not seen there were some interesting drills. You and I were both talking about the one with the defensive backs where they were, you know, they, they backpedaled and then they had to turn and then find the ball and intercept it.
1: It's it was almost like a drill to teach how to get an interception on a Hail Mary attempt. Almost. Yeah. And I was really, really interested, especially in the takeaway drills, because Look, on paper, that is one of the things that the Bears, as a team overall, obviously with the defense, but as a team overall, really need to improve upon limiting takeaways from the offense, which we didn't see any drills covering that, but I would hope and assume that there are many ball protection drills um, being executed at Bears camp. But with the defense, that was the biggest problem last season was you have these big name guys like Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson last year, Kyle Fuller, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, that... Are, are still good players still producing, but aren't having takeaways. And mm-hmm. that was what set the Bears team from a couple of years ago um, when they lost in the divisional round of the playoff or under the wild fi- card round. Under of the Vic Fangio. Under Fangio. Mm-hmm. That was like the whole calling card of Fangio's defense was how great they were with the takeaways and taking away and h- returning those takeaways for good field position or for touchdowns to simplify the offense. And So to see the Bears working on that was really good, especially with the secondary that they have being very shaky. Eddie Jackson hasn't been practicing. Um, Jalen Johnson is the headline cornerback coming into his second season. He was pretty good last year, not amazing. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with what they have, but – Based on the drills we saw, especially with the defense, so far so good.
0: Yeah, I, I was very interested to see that. I also saw a drill in which um, their punter, Pat O'Donnell, was uh, working on a fake punt and throwing the ball. And that was pretty amazing because he had a, he has a good arm. Does he, he, he put a nice little spiral he on does. that ball? And, and
1: ironically enough, like the the real highlight of Trubisky's debut several years ago, Monday Night Football against the Vikings, was that exact fake punt with Pat O'Donnell, where he threw the ball to the right side up the field and got. I I don't know if the Bears got a touchdown out of that, but I just remember that being like like the highlight of the game. And uh, so to see them still working on stuff like that, because yeah, I, I think that. With a new quarterback, whether it be Dalton or Fields in Week One, it'll probably be Dalton. Um, totally new offense. Hopefully, totally new personnel. Totally new everything because whatever was going on last year just wasn't working. Um, hopefully, we do see the Bears get a little more creative. Some more downfield shots now that you have a capable quarterback to do that. Some more trick plays on special teams or on offense because at the start of Nagy's tenure with the Bears, it was a trick plays. Right. We're like handing it off to Trey Burton for a touchdown. Yes. Uh, direct into, snaps. Direct snaps. Throwing it to yeah. Bradley Sowell in the end zone on Sunday Night Football against the Rams. Um, the like reverse type of situation that they did against the New York Giants when Tariq Cohen scored the game-tying touchdown with no time remaining. Yeah, like All of those plays were defining plays in the season and were part of what made an offense that personnel-wise <laughs> wasn't that great actually very productive. Yeah. So to see the Bears working on that, something as simple as just your punter throwing a ball after getting the snap, is 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 cool to me because it shows that the Bears are, are going to be thinking out of the box and are yeah. going to use the speed and the quickness of the offense and the new faces and the young guys to their advantage. So it was very exciting.
0: Now, back when I was covering the team... You would never get to watch a part of practice in which they, there were any trick plays.
1: That was the most surprising thing to me. I didn't think that they'd do that. No in way.
0: Not Lovie Smith, not John Fox. There is no way you were allowed, the media was allowed to watch that. Um, but since we were fans in the stands, we could watch it and we could talk about it. Oh. Uh, offensively, I liked what I saw. I thought Andy Dalton looked really good. Yep. He looked sharp, crisp, knows the offense, uh, nice spin on the ball, uh, direct, um, I think that Justin Fields looked good. Uh, obviously, you know, he was in with the, the twos, but a couple of times we saw him in with the ones and they split the field in half so that both Andy Dalton and Justin Fields can put in the same oh. amount of work instead of, um, traditionally it, you know, it might be just one guy working with them in the, uh, live drills. So that was interesting to watch for live drills that they were both working at the same time by splitting the field in half. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly Justin Fields does uh, adjust to the speed of the game with um, once the preseason games come up and how much time they give him. How much, uh, you know, typically Andy Dalton should only be playing one quarter. Yeah. Now, typically it'd be one half for your starter, but I think they want to get Justin Fields in there. So yeah. when they start playing their preseason games, we'll see how much they, you know, live action they give to Justin Fields. What did you like about the offense? Uh, the receivers. We were watching the receivers work as well.
1: Yeah, uh, the the receiving, the thing that jumps out on the page when you look at the roster is the speed. The Bears likely have the fastest receiving core in the NFL, and it really showed with the drills that they were running. Especially, there was a drill where they would basically. Um quarterback with lob one up in the back corner of the end zone, back left corner. And that was one of my favorite drills because you had like Daz Newsome made an incredible one handed catch. Mm-hmm. Um I'm trying to remember who I don't I don't think it was Javon Wims, but another young wide receiver made a great, great back of the end zone catch. Yeah. So With drills like that, one, you see that the Bears are going to be using the skill sets of these receivers instead of just having an offense to where it doesn't matter who's playing the position, that number is going to have this route to run. So the fact that the Bears are going to be using guys like Darnell Mooney and Demir Bird and Daz Newsome in roles that really utilize their speed, and the Bears do not at all have a tall receiving core. In fact, some of these guys are very short, so I don't know how many jump balls we're going to see, which is probably a good thing because that's what got Justin Fields in trouble in college, would be the 50-50 jump balls. So to have a receiving core that also kind of caters to what he had at Ohio State and what fits his skill set as a quarterback and see the drills kind of complementing that was really good to watch because the Bears' offense, for as long as I've watched the sport of football, has been something that we aren't very proud of. So hopefully getting a young quarterback, and Dalton's going to start at first, but hopefully with fields under center, some of these young, quick, exciting receivers like Mooney, Bird, um, Newsom, it, it's going to be exciting. And it, yeah. One of the things that we did not get to talk
0: about was the defensive line because uh, Khalil Mack got a Veterans Day, so we didn't see him. Akeem Hicks was not out there. Um, we did see Robert Quinn, though and you made an observation that i i was like well be careful you never know what's going on he's just he he was getting limited reps because he was coming back from um a, a, a soreness uh what was your observation in watching him in the drills
1: well i hope he was still sore because otherwise it didn't look like he really wanted to be there <laughs> um to to put it nicely it was kind of disappointing almost um like I said, it's only my second training camp of all time, so I don't really know how it works with the veterans, especially, the guys that have been there. Robert Quinn, he's had he's on double digit training camps now. Um so like the drills and all of like the, the fundamental stuff probably doesn't matter as much to him. But he's coming off a year where he had two sacks. And that is so far below his pay grade, to where you would hope that in watching these drills and in watching the 7-on-7s and the 11-on-11 scrimmages that we didn't get to watch, but just in the stuff that you see on Twitter and that you hear about, you'd, you'd hope that he'd be one of those guys that's really busting his ass because the Bears need him this year. They need somebody to come off the edge to compliment Khalil Mack. Look at what Leonard Floyd did. The Bears let Leonard Floyd go, and then he went to L.A. and had the most productive season of his career. If the Bears can't get that out of Robert Quinn, then that'll go down as one of the worst free agent signings in the history of the franchise. Because to see him kind of like go through the motions and and like kind of half-ass the drills, like I said, I hope it's a product of the soreness, and I could be wrong. Maybe this is something that's typical for veterans. Maybe this is just he's easing his way back. But I... I, I the. The fact that there could be a little coincidence here between the guy who probably had the worst season given the money that he's getting paid, trying the least hard at camp, was just really kind of disappointing to me.
0: So the drill you were talking about, if I could paint the picture a little bit, uh, the linebackers were working on, um, if you, you put a sled on each end, right, and say there's cones in the middle, instead of actually running in and out of the cones, they were twitching their hips so they would twitch right and then take a step and twitch left around each cone and some guys really looked good yep. some guys just had like good sharp quick hip twitch and robert quinn kept stopping because he couldn't get the footwork right Yep. and we, you and i were both watching going man you know he can't get the footwork right this is just a uh, shedding a block you know that's what you're doing you're trying to get around the uh the offensive lineman or whoever it is and you know just shedding him with a, a dip of the shoulder and, yeah. and and quick flitch of your your hips and it was that was a little disappointing that he did not look that crisp but let's see um all right so you are going to let me take over and do an interview with someone that might know the future franchise quarterback of the Bears very, very well, and that's his, uh, Justin Fields' high school coach from Harrison High in Kennesaw, Georgia. So uh, I'm gonna give him a call. If that's cool with you, um, tell me something I should ask him, and I'll make sure that I, I ask him.
1: I the thing that I'm the most interested to hear about is obviously Justin. Fields was the number two recruit in the country, so he could have picked from any school that he wanted to. I want to know what he was looking for out of a college, um, coming out of high school, and if the aspects that, that he was looking for from a college, if the Bears kind of bring the same sort of thing to the table. I want to know if this is a match made in heaven or something that Justin and the Bears are going to have to work towards building a productive relationship.
0: Okay. Good enough. Well, that's what I'll do then. I'm going to give Coach Dickman a call here and then um, you and I will wrap things up with um, some predictions and
1: final thoughts. Sounds like a plan to me. All right.
0: All right. So just three short years ago, this is really, really uh, hard for me to comprehend, but Justin Fields was wearing a high school football jersey. Yeah. Yes, he was.
2: Yeah, it was four, four years ago day, he was getting ready to play East Paulding. What? So, yep. That's
0: oh, my. Amazing. Okay. Wait. So, so I, folks, this is Coach Dickman. This is, this is Justin Fields' high school coach. Okay. And this is why we all needed to reach out to him because we need to know everything there is about this Bears quarterback. <laughs> and so, Coach, you're going to help us understand this. I can't believe that three years ago he was getting ready to play a high school game.
2: Yep, four years ago. Four years so ago. been. Uh, yep, yep. He was getting ready to play East Falding uh, going into his senior year, and we had a pretty pretty good team. And uh, I texted him, I think it was, I don't know if it was about a month ago. I said, it's hard to believe that four years ago you're getting ready to play your you know, senior year. He goes, I know, Coach. He says it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing how much things – Yeah, how many things have happened in the last four years for Justin?
0: I want to start with when you got to know him. Is it true that his dad, that Pablo, sent you highlights of him in middle school?
2: Yeah, I had just gotten here. And you'll get that sometimes Just you know, kind of wanting your opinion. And, you know, when I saw the highlight, I go, wow, that's a pretty good highlight. And uh, that, that means he could, you know, possibly have a lot of potential. Um, But, you know, when they're in middle school, a lot's going to depend on, you know, how much they grow, how much they change, um, probably their intelligence level, especially if they're going to play quarterback. So, I mean, you always see those kids that could possibly have a lot of potential, but you just got to kind of see what their work ethic's going to be and and everything like that. And, of course, Justin, uh, not only was he talented, but he had all those traits to add to it, too.
0: Well, his dad played football, college football at Eastern Kentucky. So, you know, a lot of times it comes from, you know, good roots, uh, a good mm-hmm. when uh, any athlete, male or female, their mother or father was also a collegiate athlete. Uh, sometimes, you know, there's you can see that they know what the work ethic is supposed to be. They've had some good guidance along the way. So as you got to know Justin, what did you see from him? Um, raw 14, 15 year old.
2: Well, I definitely saw that uh, he had a lot of talent, and as we got to work with him at the high school we could see he had a really good work ethic. We could also see that he was very bright um, Justin was an outstanding student, but that he could just learn stuff quicker than most people process stuff quicker um, you know and and that's part of you know when you're going to be like a division one athlete that you don't only just need the physical traits but you need the mental traits too and and he had that so He's He was really kind of quiet, though. He's really not um, as outgoing or until he gets to know you, as some people think. Um, he's a little more on the business side. Now, he likes to have fun, don't get me wrong. But um, just when it comes to maturity level, he was probably more mature than most kids his age in high school, too.
0: It's no surprise that you said his intelligence level. We had on one of our podcast episodes, the doctor who gave the intelligence quotient test at the uh, combine. And Justin was off the charts off the charts and uh his agent justin's agent um went to you know justin's camp and said hey is it okay that this podcast wants to talk about your um test results and so for the first time the doctor was able to actually talk about you know break kind of the privilege the um and oh my gosh coach it was really amazing and the thing that stood out the most was his ability to recall and his ability yep. to learn from information. So, you know, he may not have seen a, diff, a defense, you know, before, but the second time he sees it, he remembers it. And they he said and, his and, recall's fantastic. Yep.
2: And that's what really separated him from most quarterbacks that I've ever I mean, coach, a lot of kids will have the physical talent, but not the mental part. They'll have the mental part, but not the physical. But I, he just was so quick. You would teach him a concept. And I don't ever remember having to teach it again with a lot of quarterbacks. You got to teach it. You got to rep it. You got to give them different scenarios. But with Justin, it was just amazing. Like, because his, his, I remember his junior year, I think he had four interceptions. And uh, one of them was tipped in the air. The one he knew he threw, he came off, he told me before he even got off the field. That was my bad. I, you know, misread it. And uh, the other, maybe some bad routes thrown. But it's just when I remember when they were talking about uh, when the draft was coming around. It's just his ability to process and so forth. I about fell out of my chair. I'm like, you're talking about one of the smartest kids I've ever worked with, When especially when it comes to playing quarterback. Um, he's just, you know, like I said, you said the recall. The processing, we just didn't have to go over stuff over and over with him. He just would get it and we could just move on. So we had so much stuff in his junior and senior year just because of how he could handle the load and the concept.
0: You know, coach, when I was playing high school basketball, the kids who were the athletes who were really smart like that ended up being called coach because they typically were sitting at the end of the bench and they were the smartest ones because they couldn't actually, uh, they didn't have the physical skills to back up what they were observing in the game. So tell me what you observed and what you were able to see in Justin with his physical skills from when he started to when he left for college.
2: Well, it just kept getting better and better. His 10th grade year, um, he'll tell you he probably started off a little rocky, which is expected. I mean, it was he was going from a freshman starting quarterback to the starting as a tenth grader, because the year before we had a kid that went to um South Carolina, who was a division one athlete, so we kept Justin on the freshman level because we wanted him to rep. So, you know, it was a little quicker, so he took some bumps. But by the fifth game of the season, he was getting things down and he was understanding that he could also use his feet. Because um, whenever he'd pull the ball down, if there was nothing there, he'd get eight yards. But his junior year, we kind of tweaked the offense. When you have somebody as special as a Justin Fields, first of all, you don't want to screw it up. Second of all, you got to think outside the box. How can I use this young man's talent? Every aspect of it. So we tweaked the offense. We went to the RPOs, which I had never done. And so on every play, Justin had, um, he could throw the ball if it was a running play we always had the RPOs built in and then a lot of times uh, we had triple option stuff where he could either do the RPO he could hand it off or pull it Um, and then of course we had a lot of play action stuff and a lot of just uh, you know two and three concepts and he just you know like I said his junior year he just he just blew it up you know and um, that's that's when he just really made a name for himself but just seeing him just improve and his confidence level and his arm getting stronger and him his work ethic to, to work to improve his speed you know he checked all the boxes there was nothing you know the college coaches would ask well, you know what what's his weakness I go <laughs> I said he doesn't really have one to be honest yeah mm. said we just got to keep him healthy you know that's why he was such a big recruit because again like they'll tell you he checked all the boxes from intelligence athletic ability arm strength everything
0: what was that like the recruiting process from when it began to all of the sudden just being crazy because he it was him and trevor lawrence they were they were one and two two and one one and two you interchangeable that had to be crazy
2: it was crazy and uh you know justin handled it really well you know if there's ever a kid that really wants to know what do you do if you're a four or five star and you're getting recruited how do you handle it I think Justin Fields should write a little book on it because he he did it great first of all he's got a great personality so he was always the one thing the college coaches loved about him is the way he handled himself like looked him in the eye shook their hands and just you know the confidence he had in himself but he's never had a big head and and a lot of this goes to his dad I think his dad and family's done an unbelievable job of raising him. You know, his dad was in the military. His dad was a police officer. Um, his dad's a great man, but his dad's all about doing things the right way, and academics were first. So, uh, you know, it didn't matter if he was a superstar or not. He was still going to have to do the things that his dad wanted. But, you know, I credit his dad um, for that, uh, teaching Justin how to handle that. What was great is. When we got into uh, his senior year, um, his dad said there will be no more talk about college. If they want to talk about some football, they will. We're going to let Justin focus on the senior year. So that really helped. Until Justin did make his commitment, but yeah, it was crazy. Coaches calling me, and and then when they could call him, it was a lot easier on me. But you know, we'd have twelve coaches coming through um, in the, the off season or the in season to talk about Justin. So it. It was pretty crazy, but uh, he handled it well. And I remember one time telling me that when they couldn't didn't have to call me anymore, and they started calling him, that his phone was just blowing up, and he was some days not wanting to look at it or answer it. Oh. Um, but uh, but yeah, it can be quite overwhelming for someone that age if that talented, you know.
0: Back to the interview in just a minute, but first, hey, if you like this episode, there's more like it. Go ahead, download some of our other episodes available on Apple, Podbean, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, YouTube, really wherever you listen. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button as well. Have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. I It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the sclar bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. Now back to our interview with Justin Fields' high school coach, Matt Dickman. He was also a baseball recruit. So what was his thought process looking at colleges? What was he wanted to play both baseball and football?
2: You know, he he really loves football. And I think he just kind of likes baseball. I think, uh, you know, his dad um, and I think any dad would want their son if they had to pick between the two to play baseball because Uh of the longevity and the less you know, I mean, who, who wouldn't, I mean, I, when I watch Justin play now, you know, I'm not as, when I was his coach, you're, you're always don't want your players to get hurt or you cringe, but you're so into the game and calling the game. You don't think about it. when I watched him play at Ohio state, I was on the edge of my seat all the time, you know, just worried about when he'd take a hit or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, I can imagine, you know, what it's like, but uh, you know, he, uh, like I said, he just, you know, did such a great job with, with all of that, it just wasn't an issue for us.
0: What was he looking for in a college? When when everybody wants you, was, what was, was he looking for? for? Really?
2: You know, yeah, Northwestern, They, were, I think at the time before this all got rolling, um, his dad, like I said, very much preached the academics. They were a Duke, a Northwestern. They would be happy with, with schools like that. And then pretty soon it's those, including all the big schools, you know, but, uh, it was always about football. It really wasn't about, um, the baseball for Justin. He was definitely set on, you know, playing football.
0: If he wasn't playing football, what do you think he would be doing? What would, what would have his academic field been that he would have pursued as a career?
2: Well, I don't really know, you know, what he would have wanted to do, but, uh, I mean, I think for him, the sky's the limit just because of he was a good student, so whatever he probably really wanted to do, he could have, he could have done. It's kind of like, you know, what he would have wanted to put his heart into. So and I he, think right now it's going to be business. Yeah. Um, from, I, from what I remember.
0: So, so he leaves Georgia after a year. He gets the special exemption, goes to Ohio State. Uh, is he ready for the NFL? You think? It seems like it's all gone so quickly.
2: Yeah. Well. I can tell you this, um, I always, I always, you know, enjoy when Justin stops by the school and I get to talk to him because, you know, you really don't get to talk to him that much. First of all, he's extremely busy and I don't want to bother him, but I always love it when he stops by and we get to talk. And he came in after the, you know, the Alabama game and we talked. And, um, you know, the big thing I asked him, I said, what did Coach Day say? And, of course, Coach Day um, felt, you know, as you – probably could talk to coach day that he was definitely ready. And, you know, I felt he was ready too. I just, I would love to see him go back just because first of all, I was born and raised in Ohio. So I was ecstatic when he went to Ohio state. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also knew how talented and what he had done. Um, I looking forward to if he did come back, because I knew he had such a great wide receiver core, but you know, when you watched him those last two years, I mean, you knew he was ready he was ready to go to the next level. I'm just happy that he's with an organization that to me is doing it right where there's, you know, you know, Andy Dalton's there to help him, which I guess has been a great from what I've read. Mm -hmm. And then uh, he's just impressing everybody, which I've read and, you know, everything he's doing. So, you know, I think it's nice. It reminds me of going back to his freshman year. Where, um, you know, he had to wait a year and then we, because um But um, I think it's like everything, you take those steps, and uh, I think right now he's in that early stage of learning the terminology because I think out-of-state has really, really gotten, you know, Justin ready for the next level. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Do you think that? He is uh, a good fit for the Bears. Do you think he uh, is excited to be a Chicago Bear? Or do you think there might be a little bit of a chip on his shoulder um because he was not the first quarterback? I mean, we mentioned Trevor Lawrence, but I, I think right. we're going to be reading about these two guys head-to-head the rest of their careers. It started when they were, what, 13 years old, and it's going to go until they're 33 years old, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I look at it this way being a coach myself, I knew, first of all, I couldn't believe that he wasn't going to go in the top three. But if you if you kindly kind of look at it, to me, and, and I know Justin would have liked to go on one or two, but if you look at the whole situation, I knew that if he got past the, the first three, I knew somebody was going to trade up for him. And you know when there's teams trading up, what are most of those teams, what have they done in the past? Well, they've had good years. You know, the green I mean the uh you you think about all the teams, if you think about the Bears who needed a we're looking for a quarterback. And you look at the things that are going on in Green Bay that with their quarterback situation. Well, all those teams, any of those that were gonna move up, that just puts Justin in a better situation to me. I mean, you think about most of the teams that draft one, two, three, well, they didn't have good years <laughs> or good seasons, and they have a lot of things maybe missing. So I to me I think it worked out great. Now of course you know, to Justin, I'm sure he will never say this, but, you know, Justin Fields is a competitor. So I'm sure he's not going to forget all those teams that passed him up. You know,
0: exactly that's just
2: Justin. But he's not going to come out and talk about that. That's just not him. He's he's going to focus on what's important, and that's becoming the best uh, quarterback he can um, at Chicago. So I think it's a perfect. I was excited when they moved up. Um, the minute I saw that Chicago moved up during the draft, I told my wife, I go, he's going to go to the Bears. And uh, Because, you, you know, why else were they moving up? But mm-hmm. to me, you know, if you're a quarterback, you always want to play for a team that has great defense. <laughs> you know, that's that's number one right there. And um, So I think there's a lot of things in place that are really going to help him being a Bear. But I know, talking to his dad, uh, you know, that he's excited and um, you know, he's enjoying himself. You know, I talked to his dad today and, and I know that uh, he's really looking forward to it, but uh, you know, so things have been going well and um, I know everybody's excited up there and we're excited here too. And, and looking forward to the day that uh, he does become, you know, the man, but I think right now, I think uh, um, we all understand that it, it takes time and you also want to have, make sure that he's ready to go out there and, you know but he's he's going to be ready when that is i don't know maybe this maybe it is uh you know in a few weeks but uh, justin could answer that better i just know that he's doing everything he can do to learn the terminology and get better every day but i think again um you know from talking to his dad that uh and talking to justin in the past about coach day and at ohio state that it's really prepared him you know, for this next level. Mm-hmm.
0: Let me ask you one last question, and thank you so much for your time. We we love talking about oh, Justin no Fields. Do you think he's ready for everything else that comes with being uh, a franchise quarterback in Chicago? The bright lights, a big city, uh, the marketing, the expectations, the history of the team. It, it can really be a lot, and, you yeah. know, it's hard... What, what what's hard to measure is the emotional, uh, mental strength of a player. We can say, yeah, they're, they're focused, yeah, they're good. But when they get to this level, sometimes it really does get to be a lot. Tell us if you think he's ready to handle what it means to be a franchise quarterback in a city that has been craving
2: one. I think he does because, you know, he's always had his head screwed on, right? And again, that, that goes back to his upbringing, but I've always known Justin to be very businesslike. The other thing is, is it doesn't matter what someone else says. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, when when he performs, if he's not happy with his performance, even if someone else will tell him it was pretty good, he's going to work hard. No one needs to tell him to do that to become better. You know, that's why I think he's ready for all this. This is kind of what he's, this is kind of what he's worked for his whole life. He takes it very seriously, and that's the thing. Again, you have a lot of people that go into the NFL. That um, you know, I think I think Coach Rule at, at uh, Carolina had a nice little thing he said the other day. Some of these guys go home and prepare. Some of them go home games, and then you know on the field, you know how they perform. So, Justin's one of those guys that's gonna pour everything into this, so he can be the best. You know, quarterback. There is that Well, I do. Th- I think he's. I think he's going to do great. I really do. I do I said too. The same thing I do when too. He went to Ohio State. You know, he's just got so much talent around him, and he's talented. You know, and that's why uh, when people were doubting when he went to Ohio State, I was watching college football live and all that, and they're doubting. I'm like, you guys just don't understand how smart he is and how athletic he is. Now you're going to put him into a situation where he's surrounded by talent. The only thing he can do is flourish. So Mm. as soon as he gets everything down and he's comfortable, I mean, I think he's going to flourish because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes and he learns from them quickly. Like you said, recall.
0: Mm, Amazing. Well, if he got away once uh, from Northwestern's under under their eyes when they were uh, looking at him and Coach Fitz uh, out there in Evanston. Bears fans don't want him to get away again. And I think, uh, people are excited. I was out at camp the other day watching and, um, it just, he looks like an NFL quarterback. And it, it sounds stupid to say he looks the part, but, uh, cause there's a lot of guys who look the part and then get them on, you know, Sundays and they didn't. But Justin really looks the part. And like he says, he was built for this. He was made for this. And I, I think people are starting to understand what that means. So we're excited about it, Coach. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and, and helping get him as far as he's gotten at this point um, for the role that you did with him in high school back home in Georgia. Thank you, Coach.
2: You're welcome. But he was easy because he was talented. <laughs> right? All right. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Right. And, and we'll Take talk care. with you
0: soon. Thank you. All right, Jason, predictions. When's it going to be for uh, Justin Fields taking the field, I think, for the Bears?
1: I am going to say sometime between week six and week 10. I think that if you compare this to the situation with Mike Glennon and Mitch Trubisky, you probably shouldn't because it's a totally different situation. I think that Glennon played so bad to where it forced the Bears' hand with Mitch. I don't think that the Bears are going to let this happen because they also have Nick Foles as of right now. But prediction number two, we'll touch on that. Um, So I'd say between week six and week 10, I think that everyone's saying Dalton looks good. That doesn't surprise me. He's a veteran. He's been through camp before. He's been through camp as the number one guy every time in his career except for last year in Dallas, and he ended up the number one guy anyway, so uh, I I think that Dalton's going to be okay, but I think we're going to reach a juncture of the season where the Bears are playing good, but the quarterback position isn't what it could be, and the Bears see sort of like a window where they could make a playoff run, and they just kind of decide, yeah, all right, let's 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 hand it to Justin for the playoff push. So I think that between week six and week 10, that'll happen. So that's prediction number one.
0: All right, number two. Prediction
1: number two is that Nick Foles is going to be traded before the third week of the preseason. There are some teams that have a really shaky quarterback situation right now, not necessarily at the starting position, but with the depth, um, particularly the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz is out for at least the first couple of weeks of the season. Their backup quarterbacks consist of Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, Texas alumni, but definitely not an NFL starting quarterback, um, and Brett Hundley. So I think Foles would be a perfect fit in Indianapolis. Frank Reich, that was his offensive mm-hmm. coordinator in, uh, in Philly. Uh, obviously taking the job from Carson Wentz would be hilarious. So I'm going to predict that that Nick Foles is an Indianapolis Colt in the next few weeks. I think that that's a pretty... Pretty fair guess. Um, A final prediction. Final prediction. Okay. this. Let me
0: guess. It's going to be about your White Sox. It is
1: actually not. Um, what? The NBA announced this week that they are going to investigate the Chicago Bulls for potential tampering with the Lonzo Ball sign and trade, which if anyone's familiar with the situation, I-, I really did shake my head when I refreshed Twitter at 6 o'clock when free agency started and the Bulls had already signed Lonzo. Like, seriously, you couldn't have waited 15 minutes to announce it? Um, because for a little background, you cannot discuss, you can't have contractual discussions with free agents until six o'clock on whatever date it was. So when the Bulls announced, when it was announced that the Bulls had acquired Lonzo Ball and signed him to a four year deal at like not even 601 yet, that was really suspicious uh, former Nets assistant and general manager Bobby Marks said that he believes that the NBA is going to hammer the Bulls for this. Oh. I do too. Don't think that they're going to have to give up Lonzo. I don't think the trade will be voided, but the NBA has significantly upped the penalties for tampering. Adam Silver has said time after time again, that this is something that he knows is present in the sport and wants to eliminate. And unfortunately I think the Bulls are going to kind of be the test hamster here. So I'm going to predict that the Bulls at the conclusion of this investigation will be find at least a million dollars and lose at least a draft pick, whether it be a first or second round pick. Bucks had a similar situation. They did not sign the player, but lost, still lost a second round pick. So both seem pretty intent on completing Lonzo, uh, keeping Lonzo given the fact that the trade was completed last night. So I think the Bulls are going to get hammered. I totally agree with Bobby Marks here. Prediction number three.
0: All right. Here's my final thoughts. You've heard me list... All of the quarterbacks I have covered with the Chicago Bears in my 20-something years covering the team. Well, guess what? Now you can get your list of them from us on a coffee mug, a t-shirt, a laptop sticker. Um, You can get it on a hoodie. So much more at our fan merch store. It's on sale now at tpublic.com slash stores. And then sur- search Chicago's sportscaster and her son. Again, get your Bears list of quarterbacks. If you want to just rub it in our face that it's been forever and we want the list to stop at Justin Field, then go to our fan merch store on sale now at tpublic.com slash stores and search Chicago's sportscaster and her son. Now, listen to this. You want it free? You want us to send you one? All right. If you go to our website, son.com, scroll down to drop us a line at the bottom segment. Send us your name, email, send us a message. You also subscribe to the show on whatever outlet you are listening or watching, whether it's YouTube or Apple, Podbean, uh, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, whatever. Subscribe to the show as well. And the first 10 followers, when we get that message, you tell us that you already uh, you, you just subscribed, The first 10 followers that send us that note on our website will get a little free merch sent to them on their way.
1: Very generous, but also very appealing to anybody listening. So make sure you go do that. Send it over to us, approve, and we'll get you all linked up with the, uh, the new merch. So our thanks to Harrison High's coach, Matt Dickman. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Dickman. That is with two ends. Also, thank you, as always, to Adam and guiding the show, and Aldo Gandia and the Bears Barroom Network.
0: And don't forget, if you like this show, please subscribe, download. You can find us on YouTube, Apple, Podbean, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, as well as our website at thesportscasterandherson.com. Hey, good luck at school, buddy.
1: <laughs> Thank you, mom. I know you're counting down the days and hours until I'm out of here, but uh, sort of, maybe. Uh, I'm, really. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this year. I'm looking forward to continuing the podcast. I think the way my schedule's lined up, I'll have a lot of free time. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be an exciting year, first real year of college, and greener pastures ahead.
0: All right, be safe. Thank you, mom. Love you. Love you more. All right. The sportscaster and her son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive sclar bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.